Welcome back to the Human Again podcast. Or maybe welcome for the first time. I'll be honest, the past couple weeks have felt a bit odd and tiring for me, even though I didn't have anything too abnormal going on. It was a struggle to work on this episode, and it seemed like little things kept getting in the way of me preparing it. I started to worry whether I would have enough time to do a good job, and even the time I had seemed to be unfruitful. The episode just wasn't coming together the way I wanted. When I started the podcast, I committed myself to following a regular schedule of posting and to completing at least 10 episodes before even having the option to consider quitting. I knew times like this would come when it gets a little harder and I don't feel like things are coming together easily, so I wanted to force myself to stick with it past the initial difficulties. I recognize that this is all brand new to me, so a lot of it will feel unnatural, and probably not be the highest quality at first. I bring this up because I want to be transparent about where I'm at throughout the process, and it also happens to relate to the subject I was planning on talking about this week anyway, reframing failure and success. This podcast has been an exercise in my own reframing of failure and my desire to get more comfortable with it. I was held back from trying anything like this for a long time because I was afraid of failing. I would spend all my time in the idea and planning stage, unwilling to pull the trigger until I was confident I could succeed and not make a fool of myself. I wanted to make sure it would be successful and end up going somewhere. In the end, I never did anything. I would lose motivation and conclude I just wasn't ready. I finally got to a point where I was tired of only ever coming up with ideas and never doing anything, so I gave myself permission to fail. I started telling myself that it was valuable to fail and seeing it as a sign of courage and strength not of a deficiency. I had to switch the focus. When the focus is on the results, you do whatever you can to avoid failing. If the focus is the process and the effort you put in, then the results don't matter, and you can put in the necessary time to get to where you need to be. If you know that you pushed yourself and did something meaningful, then failure isn't a loss. This doesn't feel natural, though, so I'm trying to put myself in situations that are uncomfortable on purpose in order to get better at really seeing the value of failure and of attempting things that may not be successful. We usually measure success and failure based on outcomes or results. But the more important and accurate measurement is the effort. We should evaluate what we put in rather than what ends up coming out of it. It's still important to have a certain result as a goal in order to motivate yourself a particular direction, but the most valuable part is actually the process itself and the attempts you make toward that direction. I think most people kind of understand this, but 
we're not so good at believing it in practicality. We don't usually recognize people simply for their effort if it hasn't produced some objective result. We use the result to gauge their effort and to determine their value. We determine the best athletes by their points and stats, the best students by their grades, and the best businesses by their profits. This implies you're failing if you're not scoring points, getting A's, or increasing profits. If you're not careful, these kind of measurements can quickly discourage you from ever trying anything with risk, or keep you in deep shame when you can't seem to achieve the desired result. There's a strong emotional component to failure. It feels awful. To be honest, I loathe failing. I've spent a lot of time over the course of my life doing everything I could to avoid failure. I put in time to study and practice and prepare so I wouldn't fail academically. I've caught myself scouring through reviews of various brands when I need to buy a product that only costs $10 just because I hate the idea of getting the wrong one that doesn't work. I've consistently screened opportunities and new activities to ensure I didn't start anything I wasn't confident I could succeed in, and I've refrained from trying many things because there was a chance I would fail at them. Failure makes me feel like I don't belong, like I'm not worthy or haven't met the minimum requirements. I thought failure was something you're supposed to get over in order to level up to the regular part of life where everyone is competent and stops making mistakes. In turn, I wanted to avoid any appearance of failure because it would mean I was different and inferior to everyone else. The older I've gotten, the less I think that way. In my experience, failure in the sense of failure to achieve a desired outcome is actually a very common and normal part of human experience. If you're not failing, you are abnormal. No, really, if you're not failing, there's something odd going on. If you are failing, you are on the right track. If you've tried and tried and tried at something and still not found the success you were hoping for, you're in good company, and it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Jack Conti, the founder and CEO of Patreon, has a great talk about this online. Even though he's a successful CEO, he says that his experience is that most often things don't work, and big successes are few and far between. He talks about all the time and energy he put into so many different pursuits, from music albums to animation to touring as a musician to making videos, and how almost all of them didn't go anywhere or gain traction. In the midst of those, he happened to find success through a band he started with his girlfriend called Pomplamoose. Then he tried more stuff, and it mostly all failed again. After some time, he came up with the idea for Patreon, where creators and artists and people in all sorts of fields can get paid for the creative work they do from their fans and patrons. It came about largely because of his own failures and noticing the discrepancy between how much work he was putting in and the painfully insignificant amount of money it generated. 
rather than just give up on the creative pursuits and conclude they aren't sustainable, he created a whole new way to allow them to continue for himself, as well as for many others who now use the platform as a means to invest more fully in the things they're passionate about. He emphasizes that these two successes have been the anomalies in a long list of failures, and even after they came along, he still had a lot more failures, setbacks, and duds. In the end, he concludes that we can't view failure simply as a sign to stop going or let it be the last word. It is inevitable, so the important part is to keep getting up and trying again. This is why it's important to see success and failure differently from the norm. In order to keep going and put in the necessary work, we need to see the value of the attempts themselves, even if they're failing to bring about any signs of success. We need to be comfortable trying things that may not pay off in a tangible way, believing they're still important. We need to be patient enough to keep trying and failing on the way to actually achieving the goal. Because if we feel like our efforts are worthless the whole way there, it's pretty likely we'll give up early or hardly try in the first place. There's a classic quote by Thomas Edison about his many attempts at trying to come up with a working light bulb. He said, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. This is what reframing failure looks like. It's seeing the value of the failure and realizing it's part of a larger process, rather than letting it be the stopping point. It's about continuing to ask the question how, rather than just saying something can't be done. Edison also said many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Failure is only the final chapter if we stop writing new ones after it. When I decided to start learning how to bake sourdough bread, I prepared as best I could. I studied a recipe by one of the best sourdough bakers in the country. I talked to a friend that had been baking artisan bread for a few years, got the necessary ingredients together, planned out the timing of everything. I worked on getting my starter going for over a week, and I spent the whole day working with the dough and following all of the steps. Once I was finished and finally pulled the bread out of the oven, let's just say it wasn't pretty. It hadn't risen much, if at all. It was dense and misshapen and more closely resembled a pile of dog poop than an actual loaf of bread. I'd planned on taking a picture of each batch I baked to track my progress as I got better, but... It was so rough, I didn't even save a picture of this batch because I was so embarrassed by it. I could have looked at that and concluded, I'm simply not good at baking bread. I could have said, pastries and sweets are more my thing, so I'll just stay with what I'm good at. Instead, I recognized that it would take some duds to get the hang of it. So I used it as a chance to figure out what I can do better. The next batch, I changed up some of the times and temperatures, I made sure to do everything exactly right, and I still ended up with a flat, dense loaf that was not great on its own. But it was definitely better than the previous attempt, and I actually took a picture of it this time. I ended up cutting up the bread and turning it into a bread pudding that turned out great, so 
my failure was redeemed for a different success and helped me learn even more about how to improve. The next few batches kept getting just a little better each time. They still weren't great, but I was at least able to slice them and see some characteristic bread qualities. It was probably my seventh attempt when I was really happy with how everything turned out. It looked right, tasted right, felt right, smelled right. I had finally got the hang of it. But even there, I didn't always get it right. I would think I was doing everything the same, then have a batch that just didn't come out right at all. So I started picking up on smaller details and subtle things like the temperature I left my starter at or how I was kneading the dough. I got more consistent with it and ended up getting second place for sourdough in the state fair just a few months after first learning how to make it. It took a lot of failures to get there, but each one was valuable for learning and growing. If my goal was to get a perfect loaf on the first batch I ever made, I probably would have given up before I even started. I made the necessary preparations to have a fighting chance, gave it a shot, and ended up coming short of where I wanted to be. I stayed persistent though and didn't let the failure be the last word that kept me from trying again. I didn't attach my worth and confidence to how well each loaf turned out so it didn't crush me if some of them didn't work out. Even now, I'm still learning and growing in this area. I entered Sourdough in the State Fair again this last year and didn't even place in the top three. That's okay, though, because the failure to get a ribbon doesn't change anything. I still gained a new ability, and I'm still getting better all the time. Not to mention, it also brought unexpected successes. Since I was already entering sourdough, I entered the white bread category as well, just kind of on a whim, and didn't expect much, but I actually ended up taking first in that category. From an external perspective, it seems like white bread was more successful and sourdough was more of a failure. I got the ribbon in one and not the other. For me though, I actually think the process of making the sourdough was more valuable. It stretched me and made me a better baker, and it was more interesting. Even the failure to get a ribbon for it was valuable because it helped me see where I can improve. Why should I view it as a waste or a personal failure when there was actually so much positive that came from it? The ribbons are great, but they aren't the only measure of whether something is valuable. I looked through some old journals this week and thought it was interesting how some of the things I was most concerned about succeeding at a few years ago matter very little to me now. My focus was on acing quizzes or doing well on papers, but my success at those things has actually contributed very little to my life in the grand scheme of things. In hindsight, the things I'm most proud of were when I took on big challenges that were daunting and uncertain. The things that have been most valuable in shaping me into the type of person I want to be are times I stepped out of my comfort zone and tried something that felt overwhelming or uncomfortable simply because I believed it was important. Some of those things didn't turn out well and could easily be called failures but I don't choose to think of them that way. 
I don't deny that I failed or fell short, but I recognize that's not the entire story, and I can be grateful for all of the positives that came with the failure. Part of reframing success and failure is seeing how vulnerability is often a bigger success than a number or prize. How honesty and authenticity about our shortcomings is actually courage, not weakness. It's seeing that grit and a willingness to be exposed is the harder task, more so than just simply achieving a goal. Brene Brown talks about this and how shame makes us think that being vulnerable is weakness, but in reality, it's the bravest thing we can do. If we truly think this way, then the reluctance to act would actually be the failure. That the failure is actually not doing something because we're afraid of failing. And giving a determined effort at something even though it comes up short, is actually a success. She quotes Theodore Roosevelt to bring this concept to life. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deed, who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. If you look at your most miserable faceplant, you don't have to be ashamed, because it's actually an evidence of your courage. You took a chance and did something vulnerable, even though it didn't turn out well. Your mere attempt is a mark of courage and a commendable act. Your small mistakes and errors are valuable too. They can be used to learn and improve, and they don't make you inferior or less important. As you destigmatize failure, it also allows for more freedom to admit failure and apologize to others when needed. You don't need to fight tooth and nail to cover up your own failures or to convince others you didn't actually fail. You can be honest and say, I'm sorry, I really messed up, I let you down, I'll try to do better next time. Failure doesn't mean you are inferior, so it's okay to admit it and be upfront about it. Along the same lines, reframing failure in this way should make you more gracious with others. If you really believe failure is a normal part of human experience and isn't an unforgivable sin, then you can look with compassion on people who let you down or who failed. You can see that they're fallible humans and in process just like you. 
You can look at the effort and intention they had behind what they did and appreciate the work they put in, even if it wasn't enough to get the desired result. Some people fear that if they tolerate failure in others, then even more failure will follow because people will see that they can get away with it. That can happen, but I've usually noticed that when failure is met with compassion and understanding, the person who failed is even more motivated to try harder next time, and is in a better state of mind to actually succeed. If they're met with anger and criticism, then they just end up anxious or vindictive, and will merely hide their failure better rather than actually growing and improving. I don't know what your relationship with success and failure looks like, but I hope something I've said has been helpful for taking another step in a healthy direction in this area. The bottom line is that failure is natural, and what is most important is what you do about the failure and what you do about the things that you can actually control. If you fear stepping out and trying new things, know that you don't have to be good at something as soon as you start. Enjoy the process and expect failure at first without comparing yourself to others who have been doing it longer. It's normal to do poorly at first and gradually improve. If you beat yourself up over past mistakes and shortfalls, recognize that your efforts still had value. They can be used as learning opportunities, or you can be proud of the courage you had to take a chance. If you can't bear to admit fault and confess where you failed, please know that it's normal to come up short. It doesn't make you any less of a person, and the greatest strength is the ability to be vulnerable and admit weakness. If you're frequently angered by the shortcomings of others, remember failure and mistakes do not make them any less significant. Focus on their efforts and notice the ways they're making an admirable attempt even if they aren't meeting your expectations. I hope you do experience incredible success. But even more so, I hope you have a healthy perspective on both success and failure that allows you to be grateful regardless of the outcome, eager to take on new challenges, and unafraid of admitting your limitations and mistakes recognizing they don't make you any less of a person. See you next time.